Well, heaven's eternal plans concerning the nations are being fulfilled right before our eyes. And uh, we are more than mere witnesses to this. We are actually participants in this. Our worship service today is highlighting our involvement in the Tanzania project. And I urge you to listen carefully, real carefully, to everything that is presented. For this is more than exciting. This is more than fulfilling. This is more than worthwhile. It is positively, radically, crazily, biblically, living worthily of the gospel. Living worthy of the gospel. And that phrase we get from Philippians chapter 1. So I want you to turn there with me. Philippians 1 verse 27. I'm going to read verse 27 and the first part of verse 28. It's on page 980 if you're using one of our Bibles there. Philippians 1, 27 and part of 28. But... I'm only going to look uh, this morning at one phrase, one phrase or uh, portion of the one sentence in verse 27. It says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Notice um, that it says there that we, he, Paul is speaking by the inspiration of the Spirit and he's saying to the Christians there at Philippi, he says, I want, I want you to be living worthy of the gospel. Worthy of the gospel. We want to honor God in everything that we do in our lives. That's the way we want to live. And he goes on to explain a little bit more. And, and of course, we've been working our way through Philippians and we spent some time on this verse. But I want to draw your attention again to that last ver- phrase in verse 27 where it says, with one mind, it starts there, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That word striving, I want to remind you, was a word that was used in two different realms, the athletic realm and the military realm. So it's in, in, either, in either setting, there's the idea of, of fighting or contending or pushing or pressing. And why all this energy and focus? Uh, why, why this striving? Well, it says there at the end of the, end of the verse, it says, for... So it's going to tell us why. For the faith of the gospel. It's all for the gospel. We're striving for the gospel. And this morning I want us to look at three characteristics that I see here. Three characteristics of God-honoring efforts to promote the gospel. Number one, we agree together about our task we, this is one of the characteristics we see here, is that we, we agree together about our task. You see there again, it says in verse 27, with one mind, with one mind striving. With one mind we strive. It doesn't mean, when it says in that phrase, and when it says with one mind, it does not mean that we agree, that all of us agree about 100% 
of everything. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that we are in agreement about important matters. You remember in our study of the book of Philippians that we've sensed that there's a movement to the gospel. That was actually... um, the very first message in Philippians, when, I, when, I, when we looked kind of as an overview of the whole book, that was the theme. Because that's one of the themes, the major themes in the book of Philippians. Is that there's the gospel, but the gospel is not something static. It's not a statue you put in your yard. The gospel is the movement of the Spirit using a message about the Christ. And God is moving And there is this movement of the gospel. And we want to catch on to that movement. It's not like, it's really really backwards to think of we, well, it's not backwards, but let's think of it this way. Sometimes we think of the gospel as something little that we take and put it in our suitcase and we bring with us. It's the other way around, my friends. The gospel takes us. Amen? The gospel is the big thing, and we're the little thing. It's like a moving locomotive, and we grab onto it, and we move with it. Because God is moving. And we want to catch on to that movement in and through our church. And we see all of our efforts in local evangelism here in the Lehigh Valley, and everything that we do in our global outreach, it's, we see all of that as our participation in the gospel, in the movement of the gospel. And I want to say one thing right here, is that I do not want anything that we say or we do this morning to give the impression that local outreach or any other global outreach other than the Tanzania Project or second fiddle or second class or not as valuable as the Tanzania Project. We're not saying that at all. Not at all. But here's the situation. We are acknowledging that God has done something unique and God is doing something unique and appears ready to continue doing something unique through our local church. And now it's, and it's, even, it's spread broader than us. It's through our whole denomination of the Bible Fellowship Church to bring the gospel to unreached people groups in Tanzania. And this history goes back to the 1980s with our very first, very first um, uh, survey trip back then and then our effort to reach the Sandawe people and now more recently to go to the Ndengareko and then the Alagua and the Motumbi and there are others that are yet unreached and it's not every local church where something like this is happening have you noticed that God is doing something and we are of one mind That God has been doing something unique through us and is doing something unique through us. And so we agree together that God is doing something, so let's keep keep in step with him. Now before I make too many assumptions, I just want to say again, what is an unreached people group? We throw that phrase around, but let's not assume that we all know. Now I'm not going to get technical. I'm going to give you the Cliff Boone the Cliff Notes version. And maybe it's not even, uh, maybe it's, it's probably not even uh, original with me. But it, you can get real sophisticated this. I'm not going to do that. A people group that is unreached is a group of people that are of one sameness where there is no one like them near them 
to tell them. Amen? There's nobody like them, near them, to tell them the gospel. That's an unreached people group. The Ndangareko people. How many people are there, Joe? How many? Roughly? 300 to 500,000 people. It's almost a half a million people, perhaps, in this tribe, this unreached people group. And when we went there, as far as we knew, there were no Christians, right? So there's nobody like them that speaks their language, that's of their same culture, near them, that can tell them they're unreached. That's what we mean by that. Same with the Alagua, same with the Sandawe, same, same with the Matumbi, and same with those other names that you're going you're gonna to hear in the future. Because, because they're, they're unreached. And so God has, in addition to everything else that we're doing, and there is so much that's exciting, both locally and globally, that God has allowed us to be a part of, yet he has put this additional burden on our hearts, and he's given us a a particular history that's very unique. And so we have a notable emphasis. We are of one mind. That God has done something and is doing something and we want to be a part of it. We agree together about our task. Amen? Amen. And I just want to say one thing before I leave this, this point, And that is that we know that we're going through a visioning process where next year, next fall, we hope to have our 125th anniversary celebration as a church. And we're going to look back and celebrate what God's done for over a century through our local church, his local church. Most of us weren't there there around 125. There are a few maybe, but but we're also going to look forward and, and, and set a vision between then and the year 2020. And I, I just got to say that this is going to be a part of that vision somehow. Amen? That what God is doing is so unique and is so important that, that somehow, and I don't know exactly how it's going to be, but it's going to be a part of that vision forward. We agree together about our task. But number two, we work together. In the task. We don't just agree about it, but we work together in it. Look again at verse 27. With one mind, striving side by side. What a great picture. People working together side by side in whatever the task is. And in this picture, we remember that not everyone is doing the same thing. We're doing what we're each gifted and enabled to do and have the opportunity to do. We're not feeling guilty because we can't do what someone else is doing. We do what we can do. And together, side by side, we strive for the faith of the gospel. Man, this uh, slideshow was great that we just saw. And when we review the last years, since around 2008, don't even go back to the Sandawi Project, just start around 2008. Think about the things that have happened. There was a survey team, and the LaRussos, and uh, Jason, no, uh, yeah, John LaRusso, and Jason Rains and Robert Munden, and Brendan O'Brien, they went on that. The drama team, and I'm not even going to try to name everybody, the drama team was huge back in those days, where they wrote and produced and acted and took, took a drama on the road. And raised outgoing funds through that I sat among them presentation. John and Nancy sensed God moving in their life and sent them. They went back to Tanzania. Jason 
Reigns was a Timo team leader. Amanda from our church, she went and she's on the Alagua team. I'm, th- I'm trying to think of all the different ways we have striven together. We saw pictures of these guys on uh, these construction group working on the Matumbi house. And then there were two construction teams that worked on the guest house in Dar es Salaam that our teams take respite in from time to time. And I'm not going to try to name them all. Vacation Bible School has raised funds for the Tanzania Project missionaries. Drew Reinhardt went to Arusha and helped and in other places. Our medical ministry had someone go to it. Jason, uh, uh, Pastor Felty visited the LaRussos and then Dengareko. And John King visited the Ndengareko. I visited the Alagua. Mission, <clears throat> missions committee members have sat in gloriously romantic missions committee meetings. And, and you know, we don't have pictures of them, right? Sitting around the table with their notebooks open. But it wouldn't happen without them. Amen? Everybody's doing what they can do. And then emails and letters and care packages sent by innumerable and unnameable people to the missionaries on the field. And the financial giving that we're doing, which is so exciting. One of the reasons I like to be a part of this church is that, is that we have our faith commitment giving that goes 100% to missions. And we have special projects that were in missions that that money goes 100%. But a giant chunk of every dollar that you give goes to missions and outreach. Amen? So, to, so we are giving and giving to make this happen. And we are praying. And God is the only one that knows. Every time one of you has bowed your head and, and, and placed supplications before the throne of grace and said, Lord, help, help those guys in the Ndengareko area. Help the Alagua. Help the Matumbi. God knows that. And see, one thing I want you to sense is that there is a place for you in this endeavor. There is a place for you in this endeavor. We work together in the task. And then, thirdly, we remember together the core of the task. We remember together the core, the core of the task. There is a lot of work involved in missions and in the mission of the church. A lot of different kinds of work that's good. But we have to remember the core. We can't forget what the core of the work is. The other, the other week I was having a problem with my car and I brought my car into the garage. When I went back to get the car, it was great. They washed and cleaned my car. I was like, that was cool. Got in the car, it was all clean. But, but outside and inside, but you know what? It wouldn't have been cool if they hadn't fixed my car. I brought them there to fix the car. If I turned the key and it didn't work, they'd say, hey, but I washed it. What's the core of the gospel? What is that which gives power and, and, and continuity to everything else that we do in missions? It's right at the end of verse 27. For the faith of the gospel. For the faith of the gospel. Now, theologians argue, now when Paul said faith, 
Was he referring to the object of faith or the subject of faith? What do I mean by that? Was he referring referring to the content of our faith? Or was he referring to our experience of faith, of, of believing the gospel? Well, let's think of them together. The object of our faith, objective faith. That's the truth that needs to be held on to and proclaimed. And that truth is what? That truth is Jesus Christ. First incarnate, coming from heaven and becoming one of us. And then sinless, living a human life without any sin or blemish on his record between him and Almighty God. And then his crucifixion, where he goes to the cross and as a substitute for sinners, he goes to the cross and God, the the judge, punishes him for you and for me. And his burial, he was dead. But then his resurrection, that he rises from the dead. And in his resurrection, it is proclaimed that God the Father has accepted that sacrificial payment. And now sinners have a way of being forgiven. Amen? And then he ascends into heaven. And he will come back to bring all to completion. To reverse all the evil that Satan has done on the planet and on in the people on the planet. And then there is an invitation in this in this faith of the gospel. And that is there is Jesus. What will you do with him? Will you trust him? If you put your faith in him, then you have forgiveness. If you do not, you're on your own. That's the objective faith. And so we strive together for it. But there's also the subjective piece. And that is that there is that invitation. And people need to hear it. And we know that people will not be reconciled to God until and unless they have heard this message and placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Then, and only then, are they, made, are they reconciled to God? Are they born again? Are they saved, as we say? And so, it says here, we're striving for the faith of the gospel. And I believe that both objective and subjective are meant right here. We don't play them against each other. They go together here. The core of our task is getting that message to people so that they believe, they hear it, they understand it, and the Spirit of God moves in them, and they believe it, and they are born again and made right with God. And Jesus Christ is exalted among a people who, until today, are exalting other gods. Amen? Amen. The core is the faith of the gospel. I just want to make one side comment here. Have you personally trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in him? Wouldn't it be a shame to be here, to be a part of a church that's bringing the gospel to unreached peoples around the world, and yet you miss it yourself? Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Well, three characteristics 
of a God-honoring efforts to promote the gospel. We agree together about our task. We work together in the task. And we remember together the core of the task. I believe that today is a day that we can humbly rejoice and give thanks to God for what he has done. It's not us, it's him. Amen? We give thanks to him, but we ask ourselves again, what is my part as we go forward? What is my part? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you and praise you and worship you, O Lord. And I just thank you, O Lord, for all that you have done in us and through us. And we do not deserve it, O Lord. But in your grace, you've done it. Oh, Father, we thank you. And we commit ourselves to you for the future. Use us, O Lord, to our dying breath. Use us for the faith of the gospel, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.